You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome and good morning to all of you on this glorious Sunday, at least glorious here in Los Angeles. I hope it is the same wherever you are listening. Uh, You are with me, your host, Dr. Jeff Werber, here on Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Uh, For the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio, the only live call-in radio show. That means call-in. That means you need to pick up your phones and you need to give us a call. And that's 877-385-8882. We're here to answer your questions about your pets. 99.9% of your dog and cat questions, I will give you immediate answers. And if there's some rare exotic pet you may have, I will get the answers for you through my network of good friends and colleagues that do exotics and other strange animals. And we will get answers for you by next show. Also, I want to thank our sponsors, Kong Veterinary Products and ProSense Pet Products, because without them, we wouldn't be here and I wouldn't be here to help you. We did have a, a great call from a, a listener during the week. It was actually an email. It's a great question, so I'm hoping that she's going to give us a call back because I, I think it's a, uh, something we should share with all of you because it really is. It's, it was a, a great question about her dog and a problem that her dog is having. We have, as you know, those of you listening, hopefully all of you have been listening, we have been going through a lot of different endocrine organ systems, and those are the, the systems that deliver and secrete the various hormones that affect much of what our bodies do, how they react. And we've covered things like the adrenal gland, which is an over-secretion called Cushing's disease, an under-secretion called Addison's disease, and all the ramifications and treatments and things. We were in the midst of covering some thyroid issues, and we were going through some of the hypothyroid And that is what we commonly see in dogs. And that is an under-delivery, an under-secretion of the thyroid gland and and kind of what we see along with that. And we were just going into some of the hyperthyroid issues with cats. We were getting into the treatment. But before we continue with that, what I wanted to do since the holidays really are coming around the corner, uh, next week I'm going to be talking to you live from Park City, Utah. I will take a break from my snowboarding on the slopes to, uh, to join you for uh, 30 minutes in my home or my hotel or my condo room studio. But what I wanted to talk about today, and if we have time, we can uh, finish up our discussion on hyperthyroid cats later. Hopefully, we'll get that phone call because that was a great call. But we want to talk about holidays. Now, holidays, the festive time, we just had our, depending on what you want to call Halloween, whether that's our first installation, now, obviously, the biggest threat there is going to be all the, the candy and junk our dogs are going to get a hold of. But then we just finished Thanksgiving. That's a good one. But now we're heading to Christmas and Hanukkah, and these are the ones that seem to pose the biggest threat to our pets, and and for many different reasons. First of all, let's face it, for all of us that have been sharing our home with pets, sharing our lives with pets, we would clearly say, I know those of you that uh, hear me say it will agree, pets are part of the family. So it's not like we're going to have all these festivities, and we are going to send our pets to the garage or to the backyard to be by themselves. 
They want to be part. We want them to be a part of it all. But we have to keep in mind that there are certain conditions, certain things we need to look out for that may cause some safety issues for our pets. So let's first talk about the obvious. And um, these are some things that we discussed whenever we talk about Thanksgiving, and that are the foods. And typically, a lot of the foods that we like to eat during the holidays, be it turkey with the skin, dark meat turkey especially, ham, those of us that eat latkes, which are the fried potato pancakes for Hanukkah or donuts, these are all things that are usually fried in oil. So dogs and cats, but mostly dogs, because dogs are the, the idiots that would eat this stuff, are basically very sensitive to fat. And when there's too much fat in the diet, that can predispose them to pancreatitis. And matter of fact, I have a dog here with me in my office. This came in uh, Friday that does have pancreatitis. And pancreatitis happens when dogs get into too much greasy, fatty food. A lot of times we recommend keeping dogs away from nuts, macadamia nuts, walnuts, pistachio nuts. They have a very high fat content. The nuts themselves are okay, but it's the high fat content that's going to get them. And it can make them very, very sick. Dogs with pancreatitis are very, very sick. It's the one condition, one disease that even the the sweetest, happiest dog, the nicest dog, that if you were to palpate or press on their abdomen in the midst of a pancreatitis infection, they might turn around and snap. That's how painful their abdomens can be. So it's very, very, very serious condition. Treatment would involve hospitalization, IV fluids. It's something that the first symptom that you're probably going to see is vomiting. And I'm talking a lot of vomiting. Dogs probably won't want to eat, but if they do eat or drink water, they're going to vomit again. So your first clue that something is wrong is, oh my God, my dog is hunched over, seems to be in pain, is vomiting, puking his guts out. And these are all really, really serious signs and a a strong clue that obviously this is something gastrointestinal, dog got into something, but very well could be one of the, the fatty foods we worry about. Now, how about chocolate? Chocolate, as we've talked about, I'm sure many of you know by now, chocolate is a toxin. It is, interestingly, a bit overrated in the sense that most of the chocolates that our pets are going to go get into are the chocolates that are in cakes or brownies or chocolate chip cookies, are the chocolate bars, the candy bars that we like to eat so much, milk chocolate. And that chocolate is the least serious. The chocolate that's really bad is the pure, bitter, or unsweetened chocolate. They call it baker's chocolate. It's the chocolate that bakers use to make all these chocolate delicacies. And then they like to add their own sugar to taste. So they don't buy hunks of milk chocolate. They will actually get real pure chocolate and then season it to their own liking, depending on the recipe. That chocolate is very toxic has a high concentration of theobromine. It can cause some neurotoxicities, meaning you know, it's sort of a dog's can actually seize. They can get very depressed. They can be lethargic. They'll, of course, can vomit. So we want to keep our pets away from chocolate. But it's not just the chocolate when it comes to when we warn you against chocolate. Rarely are we going to unwrap that chocolate bar or chocolate candy and offer it to our dog. So Basically, when dogs get a hold of chocolate, they get a hold of the entire thing. I'm talking the bag, the wrapping, the chocolate bar itself, or the candy itself, etc. Well, they are not very adept at unwrapping 
these bars carefully, leaving just taking the wrapping and putting that aside or throwing it in the garbage for you. No, they're eating the whole thing. And when they do, there's more to deal with than just the chocolate itself. We're dealing with all the tinfoil and the wrapping and the paper and anything else that this chocolate may have been hidden in because they really don't care. They just want to eat the chocolate. They will get all that other stuff along with it just so they can get a hold of the chocolate. So it is very important to keep those things away from pets. And of course, if there's fruits that they have access to, again, this is nothing new anymore, but it was several years ago, grapes and raisins can be toxic, and I mean highly toxic, to some dogs. Unfortunately, we don't know which ones, and there's no simple test that we can take or your veterinarian can take to let us know, oh, do we have one of those dogs that's going to be sensitive to chocolate or not? And because there's no way to tell, the recommendation to all is no more raisins and grapes for your pets, no more taking those grapes, putting them in the freezer, and using them as a treat for your pet, which is something I used to do all the time. So fortunately, I never gave a lot of them. And fortunately, or I've never had a dog that was one of those sensitive ones. But when you have one, it is pretty bad. So very important to keep that in mind as well. So what do we do? It's very important to give, don't, you don't want to shoo them away. You want to keep your pets busy while you're there and you're you know, opening your gifts and you're hanging out and you're eating and you're doing all this fun stuff. Make sure you take care of your pets by giving them something that is okay for them to eat. And if you want to park them right next to you and put it on the floor right next to you, that's fine. Just make sure that they are eating that which they should be eating and not that which they should not be eating. And that way they can feel part of the fun, part of the festivities, part of the company, etc. Now, of course, if you have a dog or a cat that likes to bolt, and we talked about this when we talked you know, during our Halloween segment, is and you know that people are c- coming in, the doorbell's ringing, you're having guests come over, you have to make sure that if you have one of those dogs or cats, that they are well protected, they are in a different room, they don't have access to the front door. If you have a dog that freaks or panics every time that doorbell is going to ring, then you might want to put him in a different part of the house until everybody gets there and things have quieted down a bit, and then they can come out and enjoy the fun as well. So this is a lot of common sense stuff. Now, if you have any questions about the foods, about things they can and can't eat, go ahead and give us a call at 877-385-8882. Now, we're going to go on to the holiday decorations. And this is where, again, though it's beautiful, it's fun, it's festive, it may not be if you have to spend the night in the emergency room because your dog got a hold of one of those things that we try to caution you against, such as, you know, there's a lot of decorations on a tree in the house, a lot of ribbons, a lot of tinsel. Well, a lot of dogs like to eat that stuff. And if they swallow a big hunk, basically it could cause what we call a string foreign body effect. And sometimes the only way to remedy that situation is via surgery. It's not something you want to have to deal with during a holiday evening. Ornaments. A lot of these ornaments are cute for us to look at, but they may look like some things that your dogs have eaten in the past and like to eat again. Or I always get a kick out of those glass balls that people use to put on their trees. Well, they sell them in packs of three or four. And go to the sporting goods sections, and you will see a pack of tennis balls in three. And God, they look a lot alike. And if you have a dog that loves playing with tennis balls and brings them to you, okay, dad, okay, mom, it's time to play fetch. 
And all of a sudden, they walk out to that tree. And what do they see? They see, oh, my God, look at all these tennis balls. This is fantastic. And they put them in their mouths. But guess what? As we know, they are not tennis balls. So one needs to be very careful. Put them higher than the dog could jump. Poinsettia, ah, a little bit overrated, but they can't digest it. Even the tree itself, not pine needles, are not digestible. They're not necessarily toxic, but they are sharp. And they can get caught in the tonsillar crypts in the mouth. They can get stuck in an esophagus in the back of the throat. They can get stuck somewhere. I mean, so again, we need to be very careful that we don't have these types of dogs or cats, especially cats. This is where you got to be careful with cats. Cats love to munch on plants. So, And especially if they're real, there's some kind of sweetness sometimes to these things. And they will eat some of these things that we don't want them to eat. So again, it's one of those things that we need to be very, very careful to how we decorate, where we decorate, what kind of access we allow for our cats. And I'm going to come up after our break coming up right now. We'll talk about some solutions, but also we're going to talk a little bit more of some more hazards that we need to be careful of protecting our pets during these great time of year, the holiday season. So don't go away. We'll be back in about uh, two minutes right here on Pet Life Radio is Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Don't go away. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. This is my tired of itching face. Does your dog suffer from persistent itching and scratching? Allergies and skin irritations caused by environment, including pollens, insects, especially fleas, food, and common household allergens are common problems in dogs. It's easy to alleviate your dog's discomfort at home with ProSense. ProSense itch and allergy products provide fast relief from symptoms like itchy, irritated skin, skin infections like hot spots and watery eyes. ProSense products are veterinary formulated and recommended to ensure the very best for your pet. Try ProSense today. Your dog will thank you for it. Pets love life. Love them back with ProSense. Pet Life Radio, the number one pet radio network on the planet, joins forces with iHeartRadio to put the power of your pets in your pocket. Awesome. Download the iHeartRadio app and rock Pet Life Radio on your phone, on your tablet, on your Xbox, in your car. Pet talk, pet tunes, and fun pet times. Pet Life Radio and iHeartRadio. Positively possum. This year, Americans are expected to spend a jaw-dropping $36 billion on their pets. From lighted leashes to high-end spa products, the discriminating pet owner can find just about anything to pamper his or her pet. Hi, this is Michelle Fern. Join me every week for Best Bets for Pets, where we'll talk about the latest pet products and talk to the companies that make them. Best Bets for Pets, every week, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome back. And thanks for joining us here on... Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. I'm your host, Dr. Jeff Werber. And we have not heard from any of you. 877-385-8882 is the number. Once again, 877. It's free, guys. 385-8882. Or just join in the conversation online. You could start typing away. Just go on to the Ask the Vets tab. And there's a box right there that says, join the conversation. How easy is that? Or you can send an email to drjeff. That's Dr. Jeff at 
PetLifeRadio.com. Anyway, just before the break, we were talking about some of the holiday decoration hazards, ribbons, tinsel, causing string foreign bodies is a problem, poinsettia and the, and the actual tree itself, things that are they're not really that toxic, but irritative, irritative and, and undigestible. Then we were talking about the balls. Be careful, especially if you have Labradors or dogs, as I do, that can't wait to get their next ball into their mouth. Candies, of course, we talked about. And um, the next thing I wanted to discuss, and, and this is a safety issue, and that is that many trees, uh, especially, and houses are decorated with lights all over the place. And most lights, I would imagine, I don't know, because I've never purchased them because I've gotten one of the alternatives, which we'll talk about in a minute, but you plug the light into a socket. That means there is 120 volts traveling through the exposed cords. Now, I'm sure none of you would like it for yourselves and therefore for your animals. And this includes bunnies. Rabbits love to chew on um, exposed electrical cords. So that's a lot of voltage. So what you want to do is look for two alternatives. One is you can buy beautiful lights, the same that run on a few batteries, like two or three or four you know, D batteries, one and a half volts each. You're looking at six volts. That is the way to go because if you bite into one of those and you're getting nothing probably, maybe a little tingle, or, or you can buy lights that actually plug into the socket, but they actually function on a 12-volt transformer. That's something that will take the 120-volt household current, drop it down to 12, and operate the lights. The lights still are shining bright. They're pretty. Everything is nice, but there's no danger to a pet who happens to like to chew on this stuff. Now, another thing that we see, especially with the lighting and menorah for the Hanukkah candles, and a lot of animals, especially cats, are intrigued by flame. So if you're going and when you're going to light or when you're going to light candles for decorative purposes, make sure, again, you keep them away from pets. Because, again, that is a heck of a great way to spoil a wonderful evening by having a fire to have to put out because your pets were playing with the candles. So one of the things that you can do, well, first of all, you should be training your pets, making sure they don't go near the area. You can get one of those, those little fences as a barrier to keep pets away. There's also something that I've seen that I thought was you know, pretty cool. It's not dangerous. It's not cruel. So don't start jumping on me, but it's called a scat mat. And it's a mat that you can put around any perimeter around that which you don't want your pets to go. And you plug it in. And basically what it does, it delivers a, it's also, it's like less than, it's a few volts. And all it does is give like a little vibration to their pads. Something that pets find unenjoyable, possibly, hopefully even objectionable, and they won't want to go on it. And it's a great way to keep pets off of furniture, off of countertops, away from places that you don't want them to go, you could put a scat mat in front of it. They do work. And as I said, they, are, they don't give a shock. It's not like a shock collar. It does the job. It is a form of remote correction, no different than you standing there all day long and all night long watching them and either giving that firm no or that hand clap or the penny can when they go near that which you don't want them to go. So it works really, really well. It's almost like the invisible fence concept, but it's just a mat that you put on the floor or on a counter. As I said, it does work really well. Now, other things to, um, to be uh, careful about. So we had the, the tinsel, the balls, all that good stuff, any artificial plants as well. It's very important to keep our pets safe and, and creating a, a safe haven for them. So if you have pets that don't tolerate all this activity well, it's not cruel. 
under those circumstances to keep them in their safe place. And that's a place where they have their toys. By the way, there are a lot of fun, cool toys that you could be giving to your pets while your kids are opening their fun, cool presents. So things that will keep pets busy, they like to chew on, they're having fun, so that's important. You know, Nyla bones, Gumma bones, Kong toys, greenies. I mean, there are so many really cool stuff out there now that you can buy for your pets. You give them that bone, they are going to go and sit in the corner, and they are going to leave you alone. Why? Because they don't like to share either. No more than your kids do. So what's going to happen is they're going to get that really cool thing and they're going to go off to the side somewhere and have a blast. So that's a great way to involve them, to keep them you know, happy and excited, to keep the festivities fun and really make it fun for everybody, including your pets. If you have any other ideas, by the way, as we have all of about four minutes left, I want to know what you guys do with your pets, for your pets on the holidays. Any good gifts that you found, anything that works really well as far as occupying them, ways you kept them away from the decorations. Whatever it is, give it a call, a quick call here at 877-385-8882 or go ahead and just text me your question, your comment, I'll read it. Oh, by the way, anyone, this always holds true, anyone who calls us online who joins in on the conversation, who sends me an email to drjeff, drjeff, at petliferadio.com, they will get a free, speaking of Kong, a free Kong toy, and a ProSense pet product. And ProSense pet products are available at your local mass retailers, and they are the closest thing you're going to find to veterinary quality, but it's going to be available to you at mass market prices. No need to go to these fancy pet specialty stores. You can pick up a lot of great ProSense products, for example, at your local Walmart. So I do want to hear from you. And in the next minute or two we have left, and you know, time goes so fast. Boy, I don't like these 30-minute shows. So anyway, we were talking about hyperthyroidism. I mentioned that one of my cats, Oreo, my, my 16-year-old cat, ended up as a hyperthyroid cat. I sent him in for the radioactive iodine, the treatment of choice. The original treatment of choice was surgery. However, being cautious to remove the thyroid gland but not touching the parathyroid gland. There's a medication that we often have to use called philimazole or methimazole, which is a, all it does is counteracts the effects of the thyroid hormone. It doesn't really reduce the problem. It doesn't affect the thyroid gland. It just acts on the thyroid hormone. So the problem is still there. And as soon as you stop the medication, then that thyroid hormone goes up again. The values elevate as do the symptoms. To me, it's a Band-Aid. Is it indicated? Oh, of course there are indications. It's indicated if you have a 19-and-a-half-year-old cat who's also got other kidney disease, for example, or heart disease, and you're not going to subject them to radioactive iodine. You're not going to do surgery. So to help him out you know, for whatever time he's got left or she's got left, you go ahead and use the methimazole or philimazole. That's fine. But if you have a cat that tests healthy in every other way, regardless of age, don't age is not a disease. Age is not a disease. So therefore, it is a condition that we have to deal with when developing a treatment plan, but in of itself is not a disease. So if you have a, a pet, that a cat that tests beautifully and everything is working fine, then don't, and even though he's 18, don't worry about doing radioactive iodine. It's phenomenal. It's a pure fix most of the time. And so much so that you don't even have to supplement them after treatment. As we alluded to, that there are some negatives. First of all, it's, it's a little expensive, but I believe well worth it. When you pick your cats up from having had the treatment, which is what I had to do with my Oreo, they have to be secluded from, I know I have a lot of other cats. I had seven. 
others. So I had to keep them separate. He had his own room, his own bathroom, his own litter. I got, you have to get a, a flushable litter because their, their waste is radioactive for about 10 days or even more, almost two weeks. So you got you to gotta keep that in mind. It's usually because they stay at the facility for a few days. So it's usually about 10 days after you pick them up, but they do really well. You can also just keep the litter in a bag. You can't throw it away. Keep it hidden someplace for about two weeks, three weeks, and then all the radioactivity will dissipate, and then you can throw it out with the regular garbage. But it's preferred to get a flushable litter. One is called Sweet Scoop. That's what I use for Oreo. He tolerated it well, and uh, we took care of him. He's now out and about doing great. I am so thrilled, A, that we caught it early before I had any clinical signs. The only thing we noticed is he maybe lost a little weight. He dropped about four pounds. Not that at 22 pounds, he couldn't afford to lose a little weight, but, uh, but he's a big cat. He's, he's you know Maine Coon, Norwegian forest cat. So he, he's not a little teeny kitty. He's actually pretty big boned, as we like to say. But it is a, a very treatable condition. The only thing we often say is you got to be careful after treatment. Keep a close watch on the kidneys. Why? Because the very nature of hyperthyroidism, the speeding up of blood flow, the speeding up of blood passing through the weakening kidneys may hide, mask the true kidney problem. But once everything slows down, then you realize, oh my God, these kidneys weren't working so well. The reason why we didn't notice it is because the blood was going through more than once, taking a few passes every minute or second or whatever it was. Now that heart rate has slowed down, we may actually discover a underlying or, or a hidden kidney problem. So keep in mind that you still want to keep uh, a close watch on your pets after treatment, but it definitely is the way to go. You're more than welcome to send me a text anytime or to you know send me an email here at Pet Life Radio if you have any personal specific questions about your own personal pets that you'd like me to answer if you're embarrassed or shy to come on air. Anyway, I want to thank you for joining us here in Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Thanks again to our hosts, our sponsors, Kong Pet Products, ProSense Pet Products, And um, we will talk next week. Once again, I will be live from Park City, Utah, enjoying the snow, the snowboarding slopes. But I will take time out to visit with you then. See you next week. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.